All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is a crossover Thursday where I will be joined by locked on Packers host Peter Bukowski to preview the week four Monday night matchup between the Atlanta Falcons and Green Bay Packers. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. Help support your local businesses, whether they're your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops. Local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP. Still thriving at FalcFans on Twitter, of course, hosting this Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode features my conversation with Locked On Packers host Peter Bukowski for another crossover Thursday where we will be looking at some of the intriguing storylines and key matchups in this week four matchup between the Packers and Falcons talking in ways and maybe this Packers defense is vulnerable enough that the Falcons can maybe put up a, a lot of points, uh, particularly if certain guys can come back healthy on offense and maybe they'll have a chance in the end to win this game. And uh, we will of course talk about Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and this Packers offense. In addition to that, but before we sort of jump into my conversation with Peter, I do want to talk about a subject that has been on my mind these last couple of weeks involving people having some concerns about whether or not the Falcons are going to retain someone like Dan Quinn and being concerned that the Falcons might win, quote unquote, too many games uh, and wind up making the same, quote unquote, mistake that they made a year ago with the retention of Dan Quinn. And I want to sort of jump into that right now. So on that subject, I, I've heard this sentiment echoed from a lot of people. It seems that a lot of people are concerned that the Falcons are going to start winning games. And it feels like those people fall into two main camps. I think the first camp is a quote unquote pro tanking camp. And that camp basically wants the team to lose as many games this season so that they can get as high a draft pick as possible. And I think that thought process I've talked about sort of why I don't think tanking is as consequential in football um, as it is maybe in other sports on a previous episode. I talked about on last week's week two's all 22 review. Uh, you can go back and listen to that episode to hear more my in-depth thoughts on that. I won't repeat them on today's episode, but I do think that sort of thought process that a lot of people have manifests itself year in and year out. It's a sort of savior complex. And you, you see this, Time and time again, particularly in the pre-draft process where people get really sort of hyped on one particular prospect that they sort of believe is going to wind up saving the team. I think you'll see this psychology, this process, thought process manifest itself over the next several weeks and months as people begin to sort of um, divide themselves along certain lines and draw lines on the sand about which head coaching candidate that they prefer is essentially going to be the savior uh, of this team. And I, I always sort of think that sort of thought process and that psychology behind that thought process is a 
fatally flawed thought process. I don't think there's one person that's going to save anything. I think it's a process that takes many people doing the right things over across many years uh, in order for the Falcons to get to the mountaintop as people uh, would refer to it. Um, But that sure is going to probably be a subject that we will continue to talk about as this 2020 season unfolds. And we potentially begin to look ahead to the 2021 season, potentially at a point later this year when the 2020 season is completely lost, which I don't think we've reached that point quite yet, but we we're, we're getting closer there. But so I won't necessarily go into that conversation on today's episode, but the second group I think is the group that I think is much more, I've seen a lot more people express this sentiment than the, the, the pro tanking crowd, but I think it's more of the people that are concerned that Dan Quinn and the, this Falcon team are going to win just enough games that Arthur Blank's going to wind up doing the same thing he did last year and wind up deciding to keep Dan Quinn. And I also think that thought process is kind of flawed because I think it assumes that the amount of games that the Falcons are going to have to win for Dan Quinn to keep his job is much higher than I think what this team is currently looking like they're likely to win. Uh, Like right now, I feel like this team is probably tops out as a six or seven win team. And I don't think the Falcons are going to retain Dan Quinn. If uh, I think there's pretty much no chance that they retain him uh, if he doesn't win at least eight or nine games and make the playoffs. And I think the, the only real scenario where Dan Quinn realistically can keep his job this season, given how poor start they have had this year is basically a scenario that starts this Monday where they win, lose or draw, go toe to toe with green Bay, get into a potentially a shootout and whether they win or lose, you know, this game results in like a 37 to 34 final score. And they basically prove that whether they win or lose, that they could go toe to toe with a three and O team like the Packers that are potentially, you know, very much poised to win their division. And, and potentially if they can keep that going, be a team that a lot of people look at as a potential Super Bowl team. I think it starts then. I think it would have to continue for the next five games where they have a five game stint where they face Carolina twice, Detroit, Minnesota, Denver, and they would kind of have to run the table going into their bye in that regard and then come out of their bye and, and potentially sweep the Saints and, and beat teams like the Raiders and Chargers and, and Bucks to the point that we get to that week 16 game against the Chiefs to the point where they have a eight or nine wins at that point. And we're now having a conversation, unlike today, if I ask you, can the Falcons beat the Chiefs? You'll probably laugh in my face, but we'll get to a point going into that week 16 game where if I ask you that same question, you know, you'll actually say like, yeah, I think we got a chance. That's the type of team that I think they'll have to be win nine or 10 games this season, make the playoffs as a six or seven seed or whatever, and then have some rematches against some of these teams that they faced in September like Seattle, like Dallas, like Green Bay, possibly even Chicago, and beat those teams in January that they couldn't beat in September and have hard, tangible proof that the team that finished the season is definitely a much better team than the team that began the season um, and much more tangible than what it was last year. But they did get a couple of impressive wins in that second half of the season. But it's one of those things where now I outline that pathway for Dan Quinn to keep his job. Now you're probably wondering, Aaron, you think that's a possibility? And you're probably relatively new here because if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you you know I don't think that, that we're living in that reality where that's a possibility. You know, in this infinite uh, multiverse of alternate realities, 
there, I'm sure, I'm sure there's one where the Falcons become that team, but I don't think we're living in that team, but in that reality, but it's one of those things where I look at it like if that happens, great, awesome, wonderful. But unless that happens, I don't really see this situation where Dan Quinn's going to retain his job. And I think part of it is due to the fact that now that I've, I do a daily podcast, it has taught me patience and I don't spend as much time or energy or emotion worrying about things that are three or six months away uh, as I think a lot of my fellow fans do because of the sort of structured nature of trying to produce content every day uh, rather than constantly looking ahead and, and worrying about sort of outcomes that at least in this case, where we're talking about a situation where Dan Quinn retains his job are to me, extremely unlikely outcomes in addition to other extremely unlikely outcomes, like the Falcons winding up holding the number one pick, but that won't stop people from, you know, spending their time and energy and thought processes, speculating on those things and thinking about those things. So I have to begrudgingly take it, but it's just one of those things where I, I see that sentiment of like, Oh no, what if the Falcons start winning games? And I just kind of think it's people worrying about a thing that they don't really need to worry about. I, I would just say like, yeah, if the Falcons start winning games, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But I think I have that luxury. So that was something I just wanted to get off my chest because I've seen a lot of people express that over the last couple of weeks and it's manifested itself in a lot of ways where I think people are frustrated and impatient that like, how come Dan Quinn still has a job, you know, three weeks into the season. And it's like, he still has a job three weeks into the season. Cause it's very rare for teams to fire coaches. I outlined this, I think on the heels of the Dallas game in that rapid reaction episode that you only have like a, a literal handful of coaches that have been fired over the last 20 years prior to like week six or seven. So the idea of Dan Quinn being able to retain his job for a couple more weeks uh, in the possibility to potentially get on that track and maybe win a couple of games and, and start that. I don't see necessarily the harm in that to the degree that I think some people see like, Oh no, it could all start to snowball and the Falcons will wind up keeping Dan Quinn just because they might win a couple of games. Like, you know, if you think this is a six or seven win team, I don't think you have to worry about Dan Quinn keeping his job. That's my thought process. I wanted to express that. And that's where we're going to leave it as we continue today's Locked On Falcons podcast, our crossover Thursday episode with uh, Locked On Packers host Peter Rukoski getting into more on this Falcon team before eventually turning our attention to this Packer team and, you know, we're going to be talking about why the Falcons are so bad and we're going to be talking about why the Packers are so good and maybe some ways that the Falcons might be able to put the Packers on upset alert, but that's something that we will continue on today's episode. Um, if you guys want to get geared up for this upcoming game, in addition to listening to today's locked on Falcons, locked on Packers crossover Thursday episode, maybe you want to revisit the film and revisit how Aaron Rodgers dismantled the Saints defense. And of course you can with NFL game pass, you can catch every snap from every game with full game replays, revisit the all 22 of the coaches film. And if you don't have time, all you need is 45 minutes and you can see every snap of any game with the condensed version. It's all the action, all the football you can handle all in one place. You can also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL game pass film sessions. So you can check out Devonte Adams, Eddie Jackson, George Kittle, get inside those players perspectives as they break down the concepts and techniques that make them some of the best in the biz. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive, so you can catch up on shows like Good Morning Football, A Football Life, and Hard Knocks. Get it all by going to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. So the Falcons are pretty beat up. They don't have necessarily all the parts as we sit here today. 
that will give them the best chance of being able to overcome this Packers team. But you don't have to be in a situation like the Falcons are in football when it comes to your car or truck, because you can get the best parts for cheap by going over to rockauto.com. They have everything from engine parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even floor mats. Get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate as you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle. Choose by brand, specification, and the prices that you prefer. And those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, we are set for another crossover Thursday, week four edition, Locked on Packers, Locked on Falcons. I am Peter Bukowski with me, Aaron Freeman, host of Locked on Falcons. And Aaron, right now, this could not be a matchup of two more divergent franchises. Uh, seasons right now, the Falcons have had gut, gut check loss after gut check loss uh, this season, and, and the Packers are, are flying pretty high I have to imagine that, that this is a, a fan base in particular that has not felt this low since a certain 28-3 uh, to 3 situation. <laughs> it, it never fails. I, can, I can't do a single crossover <laughs> on Locked On without someone mentioning 28-3. to 3. Um, No, but you would get it out of the way early, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's true. Like, you, you, you've told no lies. Uh, you know, I, I think using the term gut check is, is a kind way of putting it. Uh, just embarrassing. Uh, losses the last couple of games where the Falcons easily should have won those games. Mathematically speaking, there was pretty much no chance of them losing the games, but they found <laughs> ways to to do so, similar to that Super Bowl, as you mentioned. And so you're right. This fan base is, is fed up. They're itching for uh, – or many are itching for Dan Quinn's dismissal, and I think some are even potentially going to be rooting for the Packers to uh, – blow out the Falcons uh, in such a fashion that Arthur Blank will have no choice but to fire Dan Quinn after a very disappointing 0-4 start uh, to the Falcons season if they should lose on Monday night. Yeah, and it doesn't help that it's primetime, right? And these are things that maybe shouldn't play into the deciding factor, but if you go out in primetime, a national audience, it's the only game that's going to be on and lay an egg, that matters more, especially to owners than, uh, you know, just a Sunday afternoon game where you don't play particularly well. And and the Falcons, by the way, have been on some of these national TV games already this year and done that. The Cowboys game is another one that comes to mind. So, I mean, the high-profile losses would theoretically matter more, no? Yes, I, I think so. And I think this is the game that I think a lot of people have been looking towards the last couple of weeks that if the move was going to be made, it might happen this week. I've been a little skeptical of that just because I think the fact that it is on Monday night. And if you were to move on from your coach, that coach would then have a shorter week to prepare for the next game, uh, which will be their home game against Carolina in week five. Although what's notable about that game is that will be the first game in which fans will be allowed in the stadium at Mercedes Benz stadium. So there has been this sort of this pressure and the question surrounding the Falcons these last couple of weeks that would Arthur Blank want to submit Dan Quinn to the booing that will inevitably happen should they not have at least one win under their belt going into that game. 
Yeah, and and all of that stuff obviously complicates um, uh, the the storylines around this game, but plenty of things to talk about on the field as well. This is still a Falcons offense that is extremely potent. Calvin Ridley has has gone from hey rising young receiver, really cool opportunity for him to oh okay he's a full blown superstar now and and has been essentially unguardable in, in this offense even without Julio Jones. Yeah, he had a couple of big catches at the beginning of that Bears game, sort of taking over the mantle of Julio Jones. Unfortunately, the Falcons couldn't find ways to continue to get him the football. I think that part of that is one of the things we talked about on Locked on Falcons this past week, which Matt Ryan did not have a particularly great game. Um, and that was a no. bit part of the reason why the Bears were able to come back because the Falcons offense really just couldn't sustain anything after maybe their first or second possession in the third quarter. Um, but the really, interception at the end was unforgivable. I mean, it, you, you, a veteran quarterback of Matt Ryan's quality absolutely cannot make that throw. Yes, you're right. And, but going back to Ridley, you're absolutely right about him. He's been lights out. He was unguardable in the Dallas game. Um, you know, it could have even put up bigger numbers than he wound up putting in that game just because he was pretty much open every single snap. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I think that's going to be the thing that is going to have to carry the Falcons offense moving forward because we don't quite know what the status is of Julio Jones going into this game. There's optimism, at least this early in the week, that he will be able to go because there was optimism last week that he would have been a game time decision. I think it's a similar dynamic to the situation the Packers have with Devontae Adams. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. But mm -hmm. it's one of those things where I think, you know, the Falcons are going to have to find a way if Julio Jones is not able to go in this game. The Falcons are going to have to find a way to make Calvin Ridley look even better than what he has been, because at this point in time, they're dealing with a lot of injuries. Uh, not only the Julio Jones, they had a concussion to Russell Gage, who's been their number three receiver, who's had surprising success this upcoming season. Hayden Hurst has had his moments so far this season, but hasn't been sort of a featured part of the offense. So it's kind of the Calvin Ridley show um, until Julio Jones gets back. And so they kind of need him to continue to play at the high level uh, to have really much of a shot against his Packer team. Cause I think ultimately it's going, obviously it's going to come down to who scores the most points in this game. But I think it's going to be a situation <laughs> where the Falcons, if they have any chance of winning this game, they are going to have to be willing to get into a shootout and riding the Calvin Ridley train, I think is their best chance of, of being able to maximize that. Yeah. And that Cowboys game, uh, Calvin Ridley, seven catches one Oh nine for two and two touchdowns. Uh, scoring points has not really been the problem for the Falcons this season. 25 in week one against Seattle, 39 in week two against Dallas, and then 26 against the Bears, who uh, I think one of the few teams that actually has a defense so far this season. Uh, defense has been a major issue around the league, certainly has, has been an issue for the Packers at times. What is going on with this Falcons defense? Because they have really not been good for a couple of years now and that's supposed to be you know the the race on detra for dan quinn yeah i mean you know how much time do you have peter <laughs> <laughs> um i guess the the quickest explanation is that the falcons by and large when their defense was on the rise a couple of years ago particularly during their super bowl season and their playoff season after that 
they had one of the better secondaries in the NFL with guys like mm-hmm. Desmond Trufant and Robert Alford as their top two corners. Brian Poole was their nickel guy. Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen were their safeties. Obviously, the last couple of years, they've had injuries to Keanu Neal. He hasn't looked like the same player coming off of an Achilles tear in an ACL injury. Ricardo Allen's been beat up this year. Uh, but, you know... Uh, their replacement in Demonte Casey, while he gets a lot of interceptions and that shines on the box scores, he's not necessarily the consistent sort of uh, level-headed safety and instinctual safety that you really want at that position. And their cornerback play has taken a dip. Now, I think relatively speaking, their cornerback play, given the relatively low bar that you had the expectations, given how green some of those guys like Isaiah Oliver and AJ Terrell and Kendall Sheffield uh, were going into the season, I think they've gotten decent production for most of those guys. Obviously Kendall Sheffield's not played yet this year. Dark West Denard played really well in that bears game, but is now on IR. So they're going to miss him. I think the issue with the Falcons uh, to summarize is that their secondary play has dropped off dramatically. And unfortunately for them, their pass rush hasn't quite compensated for that in a lot of ways that you kind of hope when you have situations like that, if your coverage is not going to be as good, you need to get more pressure on the quarterback. And while the Falcons are getting more pressure on the quarterback this year than they probably have in any other year under Dan Quinn, it's not quite to the level to mask the, significant step back that their coverage has made over the last couple of years. So that's kind of the summary of why the Falcons defense hasn't lived up to the hype and the expectations uh, these last couple of seasons. And it continues to be a problem for them this year. Yeah. It turns out if you struggle in coverage and and don't have a great pass rush, it's really hard to have a good defense. I mean, that's the, the formula is not hard to see. It's just really hard to implement the Falcons 24th in adjusted sack rate. Uh, just above Seattle, Detroit, and Minnesota, two teams the Packers have already played and and sliced and diced. So if the Falcons can win this game on Monday night, what is the path for them to get there? As I said earlier, I think it's got to be a shootout. I think they kind of need Julio Jones to come back and and play well because I, I think they will have a shot against this Green Bay defense, which, you know, from my perspective, and I'm sure you might differ on this. I don't think has played particularly that impressively. Um, and so I feel like that's I, I the, you're not differ. Okay. <laughs> I think that's the one, you know, the green Bay offense is firing on all cylinders against this defense. You know, they're going to drop 30 something easily. Um, I think the question is, can the Falcons drop 30 something easily against this Packers team and at least be in a position in the fourth quarter where maybe just maybe it will be on the offense's ability to win the game and not the defense's ability to lose the game as it has been the last couple of weeks. Well, we, uh, we will certainly see a lot of points on Monday. I think we are agreeing on that. When we come back, we will turn the tables and Aaron will ask me questions about the three and green Bay Packers right after this. So, guys, we're picking up where we left off on this crossover Thursday, of course, joined by Locked On Packers host Peter Bukowski. I'm Aaron Freeman of Locked On Falcons, and we're going to turn the tables and talk a little bit more about this Packers team. Now that you've heard sort of my thoughts on this Falcons team, um, Peter, you know, let's sort of pick up right where we left off talking about the one vulnerability that this Packers team seems to have. I'm looking at their rankings and football outsiders, DVOA metrics on defense that they're 28th in the league, which is actually in fact worse than the Falcons, which is amazing that anybody can be worse than the Falcons <laughs> given how poorly they have played uh, at times this year. So I'm just sort of curious to get your thoughts on sort of, do you think that is 
reflective of how well or poorly this Packers defense has played? And is that a true vulnerability that potentially the Falcons could exploit? Well, I think if you if you look at it in aggregate, yes. I mean, they have um, been an inconsistent defense, which I think is the best way to put it, because if you if you look at EPA per play with a win probability between 5% and 95%, so we're excluding, um, you know, real garbage time, uh, <laughs> the Packers defense are is actually uh, 10th in EPA per play overall and 6th uh, in, in um, passing defense EPA per play. The problem is, uh, as Falcons fans will tell you, having a win probability at 95%, you need that other 5% yeah. um, because things can happen in there if if you don't finish games. The Lions learned that in week one as well. So uh, that that other 5% does still matter. But the point that I have made is, you know, when, when the game has been there to win or lose for Green Bay, their defense has done enough. That being said, it hasn't played well enough. Uh, they did let the Vikings back into the game in week one, giving up 24 fourth quarter points. And if not for a red hot offense that, that kept the lead, that game would have been, you know, much closer than it was. They could have blown that game and they never really made any adjustments in that game. Now they made the adjustments in week two against Detroit. They were able to buckle down in the second half. In fact, they, uh, I think they almost outscored the lions because of the six in the second half. Um, or, or maybe it was eight, seven, um, but, uh, against, uh, a really good Falcons team, they're going to need to play a four quarter game because as you mentioned, uh, you know, if it is a game, a game late and the offense has a chance to win it, uh, it's going to be a pretty a tall, tall task for this green Bay Packers defense. Now on the note of their defense, I'm looking at some of the numbers and it, it doesn't appear that the Packers pass rush has been as effective as it was a year ago. I know nope. Rashawn Gary has made improvements, but it seems like mm-hmm. guys like Preston Smith and Zadarius Smith are not putting up the level of production that they did a year ago. I know Kenny Clark's been dealing with some injuries as well. Do you feel like the absence of Clark is sort of the key ingredient that's missing from this pass rush? W- what explains why this Packers pass rush seemingly went from one of the league's you know, three or four or best in the league last year to what has been pretty mediocre at best from my observations. No, the pass rush has been bad. I mean, we can, we don't have to be diplomatic about it. It hasn't been not just not good enough. It hasn't been even baseline. And and when you're paying Zedaria Smith and Preston Smith, what you are, you expect an injury to Kenny Clark to not murder your pass rush. And unfortunately that's what's happened. And, and it was, it was better in the half a game that Kenny Clark played uh, you know, to have a, a, a defensive performance against the Lions where you only allow 300 total yards, even without Kenny Clark, you, you like to see that. But if they don't have Preston and Zadarius Smith playing better, they don't have to be as good as they were last year. They were both outstanding last year. Zadarius Smith was one of the two or three best defensive players in the entire league last year. But to give you an idea of how far off this defense has fallen, so Darius Smith led the league last year in pressure rate, um, getting pressure on over 18% of his pass rushes. That's at 5% this year. That is uh, an ocean of difference. Rashawn Gary has been their best edge rusher this year. And while that would be fine in, in a vacuum, if you were getting you know baseline production from those other guys, they're just not. And they're going to need that in this game. They're going to need that in games against the 49ers, games against Tampa Bay, when they get to the playoffs against Russell Wilson. I mean, one of the reasons they beat the Seahawks 
in the divisional round last year was late in the game. Uh, they were able to get pressure on Russ, and Preston Smith got a sack that sealed the game, essentially. They, they won games last year with their defense. They closed games with their pass rush. And even with all the points this team is scoring and putting opponents in a position to have to throw the ball, they're not able to get a pass rush. And it, it's really hard to come up with an answer for why. Uh, the only thing I can think of, and Aaron Rodgers mentioned this on the Pat McAfee show on Tuesday, was not having crowds affects the defense more than the offense in terms of energy and life. And, and I think Preston and Zadarius Smith are certainly victims of that to this point. Uh, they, they play with so much uh, energy and passion, and they feed off the crowd so much. They vibed with this Packers fan base immediately last year. And without that, I just don't think they're playing with the same verve and juice. And, and when you don't have that, it's really hard to, to create a pass rush. Now, we've been talking here, and it, it seems like if you're a Locked On Packers fan, that we're, we're having this conversation, that making this Packers team look a lot more vulnerable than their 3-0 and record would indicate. <laughs> right. um, so let's talk about the, the thing that the Packers are hanging their hat on with this offense and it's firing on all cylinders. And I want to get your thoughts on that in particular and and the reasons why, but I I do want to talk a little bit because this game has some meaning for Falcon fans, just because the person on the other sideline is Matt LaFleur, who is a Mm -hmm. person that many people at the time back in 2017, when Kyle Shanahan left thought was a prime candidate to potentially take over play calling for the Falcons. Of course, the Falcons, thought otherwise and, and went in the direction of Steve Sarkeesian. LaFleur, of course, went to uh, the Rams, uh, then went to Tennessee and, and is now in Green Bay and seemingly, you know, showing why, you know, the Falcons made a huge mistake in hindsight. I'm, I'm curious, uh, in addition to, you know, why you think the, the Packers often seems to be clicking uh, in a way uh, that it hasn't really prior to this, uh, do you feel like, Maybe, you know, there's a little bit of extra pep in, in Matt LaFleur's step to, you know, maybe put some points up on his former uh, boss's defense to uh, show them, you know, you you probably should have hired me maybe. I, I do think Matt LaFleur, his – the way he carries himself, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't see himself as an underdog, but he understands that other people do. And this is a coach I, – I, I said this all the time last season – when I went and broke down Matt LaFleur's offense in Tennessee, when the Packers first hired him, I watched that Patriots game where they schemed up a beautiful game plan against Bill Belichick, including the same trick play the Patriots failed on in the Super Bowl against the Eagles, the Tom Brady where he dropped it, uh, and, and they ran it for a big play with Marcus Mariota. That's a troll play call, Aaron. <laughs> Matt LaFleur trolled the Patriots, and by the way, they won that game, uh, I, would, I wouldn't say handily, but they won it in part because Matt LaFleur called such a masterful game. I do think those things matter to him, and if they, and if they didn't, um, you know Aaron Rodgers, the king of chips on his shoulder, yeah. is thinking about it. I mean, this is a guy who went on Rich Eisen uh, this week and, and gave Alan Lazard a laundry list of things to have a chip on his shoulder about. It's not even his shoulder. It's someone else's shoulder, and Aaron is is keeping the receipts on all these things. So you know that, that that's happening as well. I, I do think it's something to, uh, to to keep an eye on. Maybe this is the week that they run that, that Y leak out the backside and, and score a touchdown on it. I mean, this is the week that if you're going to be the, the Kyle Shanahan descendant, 
you go into Atlanta and you run a peak Shanahan type game plan, score 40 points and, and give the sort of any questions. Yeah. Uh, you know, this Packers offense is, is looking amazing. It, it, the fact that Devonte Adams didn't play last week and Alan Lazard basically, you know, came out of nowhere, so to speak, to put up the numbers that he did is a testament to how well and how effective and how much this offense is firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is there anything, you know, just give the Falcon fans listening, uh, uh, throw them a bone. Is there anything that they can possibly do to slow down this Packers offense? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I think right now, Mike Sando said this on my show yesterday that if there is a team that can slow down this offense, it's going to be a team that can stop the run. And the problem is you can't sell out to stop the run because if you do that right now, Aaron Rodgers is operating at a level that we haven't seen him operate at since about 2014. Um, but, but maybe that could be a way to do it. Um, the Vikings sold out to stop the run and Aaron Rodgers against single high safeties just ate their lunch. The lions tried the opposite approach. We're going to rush three and four and drop eight every, every time. And Aaron Jones beat the crap out of them. So that's the problem that any defense faces. I mean, if I had an answer for you, Aaron, I, I, I think a team would hire me as a consultant because <laughs> uh, it, it's going to take a lot. I think if you're the Falcons, um, their best defense is scoring a bunch of points. And, and don't let the Packers stay balanced. Make them have to throw the ball more often than they maybe want to. If Devontae Adams doesn't play in particular – um, and you're and you're making the Packers win these one-on-one matchups. The problem is, you know, that's not really that's not really a strength of of this Falcons team in terms of being able to stop the run and and those deep shots. I think are going to continue to be there. So it, it's tough, man. It it really is, and and I think that speaks to the the level this team is playing at. And and one thing I'll add is. Um, it would be somewhat appropriate if this is, as we talked about in the in the first block, if this is the game that ultimately you know calls for change in Atlanta because that 2016 season was Matt Ryan in year two with Kyle Shanahan, and this is Aaron Rodgers with Matt Lafleur in year two, and this offense looks a lot like that one did on a, the same kind of historic pace, and so there would be some some symmetry there of uh, of. Falcons teams past. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm sorry if that, if that hurts the feelings. Of your <laughs> well, it was really a rhetorical question, Peter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing the Falcons could do. Um, you know, it, it'd be different if they were like the Patriots and, you know, right. that's a team that consistently can make teams play left-handed, but the Falcons are the type of defense that always allows teams to play right-handed, so to speak, where whatever the other teams want to do, they generally are able to do the thing that they want to do against this Falcons defense. So it was uh, just, you know, throwing it out there into the, into the void, you know, <laughs> miracles can happen. I guess we, we could say, yeah. but I think you nailed it with uh, this game coming down to whichever team's offense um, winds up playing the best. Obviously the Packers offense has shown that they deserve more than the benefit of the doubt in that regard. And we'll just sort of have to see if the Falcons can make this a game. Um, and, and maybe, you know, a couple of critical mistakes uh, late in the game may, may give them a chance to win in the fashion that so many other teams have had the chance of winning uh, against them these last couple of weeks. But uh, we'll just sort of have to see what happens with this game. I'm definitely looking forward uh, to it uh, to see which Falcons team shows up. And, and obviously if I can't, enjoy the Falcons and how they're playing, I can look at the Packers and say, Hey, that's, 
the offense that we always wanted to have here in Atlanta. <laughs> so I can enjoy it on that level as well. And did have briefly, by the way. So yeah. it's not like, you know, they, they, they didn't get to enjoy it. Uh, but, no, it's it's going to be a, a fun game. And, and the Falcons are one of only two teams in the Aaron Rodgers era to play at least five games against the Packers and have a winning record. So um, that is something, certainly, that Atlanta fans can hang their hat on. Just say, look, we, we play really well against this team, and, and they're right about that. Yeah, but I, I don't think Dom Capers is, is walking through that door, so... Correct. We'll <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Aaron. Appreciate it, Peter. So, guys, there's your crossover Thursday. And my final thought is, you know, we saw the Falcons defense actually show up against a Kyle Shanahan-led offense in 2019. Maybe they can show up against a Kyle Shanahan knockoff, uh, so to speak, offense in, in 2020. But, you know, that's we'll hang our hat on. We'll see if that happens. I'm not going to hold my breath on that, but we'll see. And uh, there you guys have it for another crossover Thursday. We will be back tomorrow to answer some listener questions. If you have any questions that you want to submit to potentially be answered on tomorrow's episode, as well as possibly on Monday, since we won't have a rapid reaction to a Sunday game. We'll just have a sort of Monday mailbag slash Monday night preview uh, for Monday. Of course, you can get those questions and send them to Twitter at locked on Falcons, send them to Facebook at locked on Falcons as well, or you can send them in via email to locked on Falcons at mail.com. And in addition to sort of one final preview and a possible mailbag for Monday, in addition to Friday's Q&A, of course, Tuesday, we'll have our rapid reaction to whatever happens on Monday night. Wednesday, we will have a guest on to share their thoughts on the Monday night game. And then Thursday, we'll be back at it for another crossover preview with Locked On Panthers host Bill Rossetti. And then Friday is probably next week where we'll be able to get to the All-22 and where you can send in your Monday night Packer week four related questions, or, you know, if you have a Marvel or, or food topic question, which I've I got a bunch of those over the summer, uh, you can send them in as well then as well. So appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow with a, another Q and a, uh, talking about some big picture stuff that some people have talked about sort of similar to what we touched upon at the top of today's episode. So certain questions, certainly I think you will want to tune in and sort of get into sort of the topics of like the direction of this team and what they can do to salvage this season and, and those types of issues on tomorrow's Q and a episode until then. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. Experience the empowering feeling of the Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now for April 1st. Lease the 2024 RX350 Premium All-Wheel Drive for $528 a month for 36 months with $49.99 to its signing. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Call 1-800-USA-LEXUS for important lease offer and pricing details. Not all customers will qualify. Offer in the Lexus Eastern area and it's April 1st, 2024.